keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Effin' Marks. I am the King of Sad Style, the man with the largest calves in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me, well, relatively recently, Mr. Mike Lawrence. How's it going? Former WWE creative himself, Robert Karpolis. Hey, and Sergeant Slaughterhouse could not be here today. Uh, unfortunately, Scott's aunt just passed away, so we are sending our prayers and our well wishes there. We miss you, Scott. Let's get to the 10 count. But before we start the 10 count, I have to make an announcement. The podcast Total F and Marks is ending. This is the last episode of Total F and Marks. You chose because now to tell me? <laughs> because next week... We will be debuting Wrestle Roasts. That's right, folks. It's everything you loved about the old show. It means a 10 count. It means we skewer wrestling. That means we shit on everybody and everybody promotion and every promotion. But we're also going to add a mini roast up top at every episode. Uh, next week, we're going to kick it off with Shane McMahon. But we figured we'd do a dry run this week. And we're going to start off our 10 count with the roast. Of Baron Corbin. Do you guys want to just round robin these jokes? Yeah. All right, let's do it. I'll start off first. Baron Corbin was a Division II football star and the first wrestler in history to turn CTE babyface. Mike? Uh, I struggle to think of anything interesting to write for Baron Corbin, so now I know how WWE creative feels. <laughs> Robert? People like to make jokes about Baron Corbin wearing a vest and how he looks like he was the manager to TGI Fridays. But that's insulting to Friday's managers because they get health care. <laughs> uh, Baron Corbin looks like what would happen if Mr. Clean bombed a synagogue. Mike? <laughs> it's fitting his name is Baron because he's unable to produce in the ring. Robert? Baron Corbin does a move called the Deep Six, but anyone who remembers his leather pants phase knows it's at best a deep three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Baron donated his ponytail to charity. To this day, charity has no idea what it did to deserve it. <laughs> also, what charity? Is it a fun to reunite truck drivers with the women they trafficked? The Don't Ask Me Twice Foundation? Randy Savage was the first recipient. The award is actually just a frogan, frozen bag of peas Miss Elizabeth puts over her eye. <laughs> Mike? I mean, yeah, just based on his look, you'd think he was the wrestler that survived leukemia. <laughs> Robert? Revolver Magazine named him the most metal athlete because his promos sound like a fork fell down a garbage disposal. <laughs> so far for the win. Baron Corbin, a.k.a. lost everything in the divorce, Damian Priest. Mike. <laughs> I've never seen a wrestler this desperate for cheap heat since Virgil slept next to a radiator. <laughs> Robert. 
Baron Corbin was a Golden Gloves boxer and an NFL player before becoming a WWE superstar, all in pursuit of his lifelong dream of getting CTE. <laughs> he was a Division II champion, which is like saying you're over at Impact. Mike? <laughs> Baron Corbin answers the question, what would Triple H's career be like if he never fucked Stephanie? <laughs> uh, Robert? Be careful what you say about this guy. On Twitter, Baron Corbin will find people who have criticized his work, post photos of them, and then openly mock his appearance. Behavior like this means he's not going to get invited to a Be A Star rally at a high school, but he's definitely going to inspire a school shooting. <laughs> Baron Corbin looks like what would happen if Mr. Potato Head had a mastectomy. The big difference between Baron Corbin and Baron Trump is that I respect some fans of Baron Trump. Robert. Baron, Baron Corbin's finishing move is the end of days, which is fitting because his in-ring work is a complete abortion. <laughs> uh, the CDC says one of the dangers of not getting COVID is having to stay in a Baron Corbin stable. Mike. <laughs> Baron Corbin retired Kurt Angle. A broken neck couldn't do it. A pain pill addiction couldn't do it. Losing his wife to Jeff fucking Jarrett couldn't. But one five-minute match with a guy who dresses like an Applebee's waiter does him in. It's true. <laughs> it is damn true. <laughs> uh robert this is my last one um but uh I, I just want to say like you know dan to your point he's not a bad guy uh it was a true story when he shaved his ponytail he donated it to locks of love and to think the recipient believed the worst thing that would happen to them was the cancer <laughs> uh what does the name even mean baron corbin baron of what selling roofies at medieval times mike <laughs> I got one more. Uh, watching Baron Corbin wrestle is like watching Dave Meltzer have a conversation. You know he's trying, but he hasn't figured it out quite yet. And the last two for me, the Lone Wolf is both Baron and his fans' nickname. Uh, he was a member of Team Raw. Those are the guys Triple H fucks without a condom. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That was our mini roast of Baron Corbin every week. We're going to be picking somebody next week. We're going to do Shane McMahon. Uh, we wanted to, we wanted to do Baron this week to just show you guys that we will never do Baron Corbin again. It was more of a gift to you guys uh, for when we really watch the show. Uh, you will never have to hear about Baron Corbin again, but if you liked any of these jokes, Hey, uh, make a meme out of it. And uh, you have a chance to win a t-shirt. That's right. I'm going to, I'm going to send a t-shirt to one person this week uh, who, uh, my, my favorite meme of the week. We're going to send We're going to send a t-shirt too. So um, yeah, create it, tag us. Thanks so much. I, I love that. You've already created the best Baron Corbin merch. <laughs> right. I got to say, I'm so glad that's over. I was fucking terrified because you're like, Oh, we're doing a roast show where both of you are professionals at this. One of whom has won a national televised concert contest. About true. It. And I'm like, cool i just got off the phone negotiating international tax law and then it's like guys i have to go i have to make jokes about baron corbin and then the second we start telling our jokes you stop being intimidated <laughs> <laughs> hey look uh it was it, it was a it was very good robert I, I thought i thought you had some very strong stuff you know it's always weird because uh, we're our own audience here and uh look you know, look man like, robert I may have won a national rose competition, but you gave Heidenreich promos. So we both have done <laughs> things the other respects. <laughs> Do you have Heidenreich's personal phone number still, Robert? 
if you think his phone number is still connected, uh, then <laughs> I admire your, your faith in man. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the 10 count. Number two, Black History Month, brother. Uh, <laughs> on SmackDown, <laughs> decided to kick off uh, Black History Month by Hulk Hogan talking about losing to Andre the Giant in a rematch. I mean, I does it count because, like, does he wear enough tanning solution so it's technically blackface? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, I, I really, it was just, it's just bizarre to me. It's like having the Ultimate Warrior lead the lead the AIDS walk or something, and just having him be yeah. like, the people marching behind me brought this on themselves. You know, it's yeah, it's he's really a great. Does it, does it count? Yeah, does it count if you're a person of artificial color? <laughs> <laughs> He feels he has credibility because he did Renna Center ads. <laughs> it is. It is so weird because, yeah, they, they open like with like Harriet Tubman quotes. This is the thing because I watched this segment. They open with like a minute of Harriet quoting Harriet Tubman. And it's three wrestlers that that do it. And the, the, the second one is Titus O'Neil, who they show that rumble botch so many times. Like. To the point where that is part of WWE's Black History, him slipping at the Greatest Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's it's either that or the or the footage of Vince McMahon flinching when he touches it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know which one's uh that he got right. He got suspended for that, right? He did. Uh, he yeah. Did, yeah. Yeah. But he will have a job for life. Uh, they need him for the Black History Month. They need him for MLK Day. And then he wins all those Father of the Year awards. So he is uh, he, he's their defense mechanism anytime somebody does something terrible. Like, But we have Titus. So he's like an insurance policy for the company. He's not going to get fired, but it's also like they make him like do all these like shitty local commercials too. Because like, where, where I am in Massachusetts, like he does like a lot of stuff with the like the local car dealerships and stuff and I, I imagine that that's just like whatever region he's in that they're promoting i really don't know how it works but i don't know man come on give well, thanks to thanks to AEW, it is uh you know it's not hard being the worst black o'neill in professional wrestling <laughs> <laughs> all right number three mark out of the moment of the mark out moment of the week i'm gonna go with um nxt's better version of matt hardy cameron grimes that's what i what i thought this past week I, th I thought the gamestop thing was actually really clever um and uh him throwing money around look the guy that looks like him should not be any type of star you know if it like we we just this past week plugging our patreon we just watched the yokozuna documentary he looks like everyone who jobbed to yokozuna in in the early 90s and <laughs> he's a really good promo He's yeah. really good in the ring. I think he's got a black, like a really fun character. And it's also a character they desperately need because, you know, like Robert has said before, and, and like Mike said before, it's, you know, it's very, um, you know, like black and yellow and, and kind of repetitive. So he, he's a, he's a, he's a much needed burst of color on an otherwise drab palette. Robert, what was your mark app moment of the week? 
I mean, mine was obviously Cameron Grimes. That was as soon I as I saw that. I was wondering it was going to be yours, too. Oh, yeah. As soon as I saw that, I mean, he, he has made everything he touches turn to gold. And the the weird timeliness of them doing this angle with the with the GameStop thing and, and capitalizing on it, the way that he, he played it and got so over-the-top exuberant and then made Kiss My Grits the best catchphrase in professional wrestling uh, shows why he is really the MVP of NXT. He, everything he does, he does well, and he's a solid wrestler. I mean, this is a guy you can build segments around, and from a, a creative standpoint, having a wrestler like that is completely invaluable, where you give him the, the Jamie Noble, I'm the, the hillbilly who just got a lot of money, which they've done this angle before. Cameron Grimes is going to kill it while he's doing this, and then eventually when he loses it all and he's poor again, it's going to be another fun arc for his character. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think that guy is uh, fantastic. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you get much better than Cameron Grimes as, as far as, uh, as far as like NXT guys are concerned, especially because, you know, like you have to get through Dexter Loomis. They have so many gimmicks that like really can fall on their face and, you know, he makes it work. Mike, I'm going to go repeat on this one. I, I actually agree with you guys. I, I, this is your mark. You're the three Pete. That was your three Pete. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go Cameron Grimes um, because it was so fun. And what I loved about it is that I like when there's a return from injury, like tied in current events, which did we talked about WWE rarely ever does. And that it was like, this is what I did while I was gone. And now I'm richer. And the, the guy, it's like, you know, comedy and wrestling is so tough if, you know, as a Baron Corbin roast will show you. And and I think <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like I mean, I like the the you know, some of the comedy on AEW, but it's hit and miss. Like this guy, like in, in a three and a half minute like promo segment, like won me over. Like Cause he's having so much fun and you know, when the wrestler cares about the gimmick, it makes all the difference in the world. The moment that sealed it was after he, he leaves the car and he's walking in the production assistant who's pointing him where to go. He hands him money and goes, Hey, keep this between you and I, and then pats him on the arm. It was such a nice little moment uh, of, of his embracing what this character is. It was, I thought it was great. It was just that, total old money like i'm gonna tip you and hey let's just keep this between us i thought that was really really well done and this is a guy they really didn't have any plans for man i, I kind of hope they have how much better would him versus bad bunny be than the Miz versus bad bunny as far as like getting that sort of comedy wrestling over <sighs> yeah now I, I i agree with that and the whole thing that like he wants to sign bad bunny like he's gonna he's gonna start his own label or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. It's also you gotta. This is what you gotta really give them credit for. They found a better video game angle in a three-minute segment than the whole Miro, Kip Sabian, Billy Mitchell stuff. Like they outnerded the nerds, you know, which I kind of respect in a way. <laughs> Oh yeah, shitting on them with the I was at home playing video games and I'm like I could be doing this instead of wrestling. Uh, was definitely firing a shot at any of the wrestlers who have their own Twitch. Um, 
Yeah, I mean that that was the only part that I was like, yeah, I don't know. That probably you could have probably left that part out. <laughs> Number no, four, <laughs> let's tune in with uh with Mike. Mike, what do you got for us for this week? So, you know, every once in a while you're watching AEW and it makes you ask yourself something, right? Like a couple I think the first time I, I was on the shows, what is hand helico? We tried to figure out that. I, I still don't know what a serpentico is, but what I'm really curious. <laughs> I think that's I, what an old Mexican woman holds to keep the devil away. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a nickname for a part of Jake, but um, <laughs> I'm going to say this week, I want to know, I want to ask you guys, and let's just try to figure this out together. What is the nightmare family? <laughs> because I feel like I can be accepted in it quicker than my own family. I, I thought in wrestling, a nightmare family is what Dusty would call embracing gold dust as a son. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really don't. I mean, obviously, I, I thought the original, you know, the original spin on the gimmick of, you know, the American nightmare. He's like, you know, the uh, almost the like he almost reminded me of like the uh, they live version of Dusty Rhodes, you know, like the fake blonde hair and the suit. And he's not fat. He's in shape. And it was almost like this demented version of Dusty Rhodes. But now it's, I don't know, become like, like if the oddities became good workers. I'm not sure what I would describe it as. I mean, I have so much to say about um, last night, but we can all agree. Um, Nightmare Family should be the name of the dark side of the ring episode about Grizzly Smith. <laughs> yeah, so like when it was when it's Cody and Dustin and Brandy, that makes sense. They are a f- actual family. That is his wife, that is his brother, that is a dog that they should not have brought to the arena near Pyrotechnics. I get it. But then you add QT, the, the, the Baron Corbin of AEW, QT Marshall. Whoa, whoa, easy. <laughs> Tread lightly there, Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> did, I, did I just say the meanest thing about Baron Corbin? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the free, that's, that's actually what Baron gets pissed about. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, he crushes an apple in his hand. Um, yeah, so you add him, and then you add, like, all these other people, and, like, now Lee Johnson and they just make announcements and you know as as Jericho says Arn Anderson with the waffle house uh, menu it's just there's so many people in this family now that I don't know what what it is I don't know what the gimmick is I don't know what the story is I just know that I could probably be a part of it if I just ask nicely <laughs> they've made the dark order seem cooler by comparison, which I didn't think was remotely possible. Um, the the Nightmare Family, it's kind of like in Fight Club, when Fight Club starts out really cool and then they, they keep adding more and more people who you don't ever want to associate with. Um, like Meatloaf would be a, a better addition to the Nightmare Family and the guys they're bringing in. It, it feels like it's AEW's Make-A-Wish program. Um, like <laughs> none of these guys have any charisma there's no reason for them being there and i don't think being around cody is giving any of them any kind of a rub it's more like these are the people cody's choosing to hang out with which makes cody seem worse by comparison unless he's secretly making fun of them and he's going to be a heel otherwise this is uh 
it, it's like Saved by the Bell, where they all hung out with Screech and nobody knew why, except everyone is Screech. Yeah, it's it's, it's like if Hunt, it, you know, people shit on Hunter, but Hunter was at least like, no, let me work with the Rock, let, mm-hmm. let me work with Foley, let me work, you know, like he. He, uh, he did whatever. I, look, I really like Cody. I think he's he's a terrific promo, and I think he's I think he's really good in the ring. I just don't think he can carry segments like he thinks he can carry segments. And he can't. And he can't make people by association. No, I, he's yeah. not in a place. There's only a couple guys on that show that can make people, and he's just not at that stature yet. It's just. So we have we have Cody. Dustin, Brandy, DDP, Arn Anderson, QT Marshall, Lee Johnson, Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado. That is the Nightmare Family as of right now. The Nightmare Family can just be called like everybody the Bucks didn't hire. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like this is cheaper than having to pay them. Uh, you're going to show up, and guess what? You're a member of the Nightmare Family, but I also need you to detail my car. Um, yeah. Yeah, this, this group would be called, no, don't get in Brandon Cutler's car. Get in the other one. <laughs> yes. the, guy, the guy that has to clean up Jericho's puke is like, what they say I'm a member of the Nightmare Family? Meanwhile, Sean Spears would give anything to be a member of this family just to get back on television. <laughs> And it's crazy, yeah, because you're talking about like adding members of factions. Like, dude, I I didn't realize going back and watching the NWO how quickly it jumps to John Tenta, where it's like, dude, they fucking because you you know it's Hall and Nash, right, and then Hogan, and that's fucking great. But in '96 already, I think like Bischoff's there and Vincent and Elizabeth and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... I don't know, man. I think the thing that was like truly blew my mind about this angle last night, and I think that like when wrestling is is when when twenty the year in twenty twenty one is over for wrestling, um, I think that they're going to look at the segment and and really shake their head because they brought an angle that a storyline that they were I guess that they were running on dark for the last couple months. Now, so if you don't watch dark. You don't know that this guy has been on a losing streak. You have no idea whether or not this guy is lost. If you're watching Dark, you're on a losing streak. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm somebody who, you know, I like some of the Dark. I, I think it's a cool concept. I just, I, I just don't think that like, it's, it's not like, like, say it what you want. It should be required Vince. viewing. He would never. Vince would never be like. Ne- Vince would never expect you to know a Sunday Night Heat storyline <laughs> on SmackDown. He never would. He just would be like, you know, like, uh, no, like, that's just something we put on to, you know, get some people time and and to sell ad space. That's that's the reason that we have it. Um, there's a lot I can say about Vince McMahon that's, that's not great. But then I found out that I think that, like, at least Meltzer was saying this. So who knows if Meltzer was saying this. But I think that, like, Cody's booking this angle and he's trying to, like, turn the QT Marshall and this Johnson guy, their, their dynamic into the new Larry Zabisco Bruno San Martino beef and I'm like what <laughs> like <laughs> nobody knows who these guys are nobody has any idea who these guys are people j- people just learned the name Cody Rhodes they you, just learned it let, like let's be honest you know things are bad when aspiring to be Larry Zabisco is your goal <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm just I just it was just shocking to me I'm like come on guys you gotta fucking 
walk before he can run here. And I, and for the most part, I like dynamite more than uh, NXT every week, but it's just, it's just like this weird slog, you know, it's like, you know what, it, you know, what? it's probably similar to this, you know, like um, whenever you like see those like documentaries about old comics and like Chris rock or like, Louis C.K. or somebody, they always talk about like a comic you've never heard of, and they were the funniest one. And then you see their act, and you're like, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> you know, like, that's kind of, I guess, I mean, it's pretty good, I guess, but. Yeah, you know. but like, it's like cocaine didn't take that much from the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been I've been wrong about Cody because the longest time I've been comparing him that he thinks he's Triple H, and I'm finally starting to see he thinks he's John Cena. He thinks that anybody that he works with is going to get the rub simply by being in the ring with him. That now Peter Avalon has been elevated the way John Cena elevated Kevin Owens by them working together. Cody thinks he's a mainstream star because he's the fourth judge on a TNT talent show. (laughs) And that's the equivalent of Cena. And he thinks that the audience is absolutely in love with him. And he doesn't see that he would be the best heel possible, that he's taking time on his own television show to announce that him and his wife are pregnant and having a child in an over-the-top sappy video. He's yeah. compl- It's like the oblivious heel is a great character. He just doesn't realize he's playing it. Well, yeah. you yeah, get it, Snoop it, to re-record your theme song if you corner him and ask him politely. <laughs> Oh, let me tell you something. Snoop isn't doing anything politely. You know, like that guy, that guy's making his fucking money. That guy, <laughs> Snoop Dogg is the opposite of a mark. Snoop Dogg is the opposite do of you, a mark. Do you think he got paid more to splash Serpentico than Serpentico makes in a year? Because I think yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think Serpentico, Serpentico gets had paid to pay in him. catering. Yeah. <laughs> I think Serpentico had to pay him. <laughs> and, 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 and you know the wild thing about it? Like, I own Cody Mer- Like, I love Cody. I lo- Like, his match against Dustin was, like, one of my favorite live matches I've ever seen. I, it was tremendous. If you were in the ring, it was, it was unbelievable. But, you know, guys, we're still, like, it's like the, we're still figuring this. It's, you know, we're still figuring this out, you know? Like, yeah, it's like it- people are just starting to. You know, it took like think about how long it took before Hangman was over in AEW, right? Like he had that match with Jericho, and every it was just you know it was okay. And then at Revolution, he got that amazing, amazing reaction. But it was because they took their time and they built up a guy gradually. They didn't just you know pick somebody from QT school and say, hey, you're going to be our next guy. Well, that's one of the problems is when you're when you're writing the show and you're living and breathing nothing but AEW, and they always talk about the WWE bubble, you take for granted that everybody doesn't know everything that you're thinking, that you have complete and total product knowledge. So if the story was Lee Johnson went 0-29, he's been trained by Dustin and Arn and Cody, and they've taken him under their wing, and you've been told the story week after week after week to build up to the debut of Lee Johnson in a tag match and this actually meaning something that's a story instead he just went out there as Cody's out here in his shirt celebrating Black History Month and hey guess what he now has a new black friend and that was how it came across and then the entirety of the match was Jim Ross and Excalibur and Tony Schiavone trying to tell the story of Lee Johnson while the match is going on and all you saw was a passable wrestler with no real charisma who during his post-match promo had nothing to say and i'm like well he's not a great wrestler he's not a great promo 
Why I mean, is he, this the he's guy not a that bad wrestler? But he's you know he's it's not generic. that special. It, right. It's it, 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 I don't think he's I think he's a good wrestler. I just it wasn't anything you know that was especially when you see Phoenix, you know like uh, like you know who's got a similar body type, you know being able to do what he's able to do. Well, look at the kids from Top Flight. You know they came out there. It was impressive. It stuck with you. You're like these guys are great. Private Party. They came out there. These guys are great. Their work spoke for them. Lee Johnson went out there, and it was they could have plucked somebody out of the crowd. There was nothing to him. You know, we used to have to do an exercise in WWE. Can you explain a character in 10 words or less and make it make sense? I have no idea what the Lee Johnson character is other <laughs> and than that's how five writers got fired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, um, it, it, it's so confusing to me because Lee Johnson was MJF's campaign guy. He was in all yes. those skits, right? Yeah. That's how I know him from Dynamite. I never saw, I don't know the story where he decided to then just, A, become a wrestler. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, because we know, like, MJF went up against Moxley and he lost and then he disbanded his campaign, you know, and there were the other, you know, members of the campaign and I guess Lee Johnson just stayed and you know, you know, and then now he's a wrestler, but you could easily even tell there is a story to even tell here that MJF betrayed Cody and then Cody takes MJF's guy and now he's making him like a baby face, but they didn't do that. And then it's also you already have a stable where their whole thing is we take people that lose and we're supposed with the Dark Order. But now you're doing a losing streak gimmick with another stable it makes no fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I think we've spent more time trying to figure out his character than Tony Khan has. <laughs> um, that's that's what it I, came that's down. The thing is, I, I do think Tony Khan's a really good booker because, you know, he has been behind a lot of really good stuff there. They just need more creative people. Both companies have opposite problems, right? Like in AEW, we're like, we're like, wait, you're giving this guy a push versus like in WWE, you know, for a while they were debating whether or not Big E should get a push. And it's like, which is insane. It's the exact opposite. It's a guy who's been there and proven his worth for over 10 years, you know, and has been over in a stable versus a dude we just know from training with a guy who looks like my stepdad. I don't fucking get it. I don't know. Yeah. And then they set up this, they set up this QT Marshall storyline because when he thanked everybody, he thanked Dustin and Arn and Brandy and Cody and not QT. And the look of sadness on QT's face was either genuine, like the general sadness of QT's existence, <laughs> or the start of this uh, Larry Zabisco, Bruno San Martino feud. Do you uh, think it ends up on a pay-per-view, that match? I hope it ends up on Dark. That way I don't have to think about this ever again. I, I hope I hope it ends up on impact or as I call it, even darker. <laughs> no, you as know what? I just, call just it to f- unable to see. <laughs> just just to fuck with Scott since he's not here. I hope they bump this to New Japan. And this becomes the top new the open the who gives a fuck title between QT Marshall and Lee Johnson. All right. Well, number five, it's time for Scott's New Japan corner. Scott is not here, so I'll be picking up the slack. Uh, Abushi beat Sonata, and I really don't care until the G1. I mean, that's that's my hot take on New. I love New Japan. I love the G1. I love Wrestle Kingdom. It's and and I'll watch Dominion, but it's it's hard for me to care until it's those events. It's just you know, it's a long season, folks. It's a long season. 
So then let's take this segment to ask another question. Does Kenta look stupid with that hair? Yes. <laughs> I like it. You you think he looks dumb? I think he looks pretty cool. It doesn't look like a a, a, a main eventer. It's kind of I don't know. I kind of like that he's got like the emo, you know. He but the worst like, part is it looks like it's fading. Like it's like he dyed his hair and then didn't have the time to re-dye his hair. And this is the best that he was going to look for for being on camera. Like, look, I, I, I like K-pop. That is the haircut of the other, other, other guy in BTS. That is not the I'm a badass <laughs> who traveled across the world to kick your ass in a hardcore match. Haircut. <laughs> yeah, he kind of, yeah. He looks like uh, the yeah the guy who is forced to like the older brother of One Direction. You know, he looks like you know it's a haircut that like that they would give to like um, like someone in the Matrix. Like you look at that haircut, you're like, oh, I guess I'm in the future now. Oh, I guess hacking's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six, creative and nothing for you for new listeners to the pod. This is a segment where Robert will uh, talk about his time. Uh, writing for WWE, he wrote there uh, for about a year or two. I forget the exact amount of time. Robert will uh, cue us in on that. Uh, Robert, uh, what uh, what chapter are we opening in kayfabe history? So I was I uh, was shifting gears slightly on it this week because um, on on Facebook it reminded me of of an anniversary of something I had done a few years ago. And uh, it was a, I thought, a positive, uplifting story, since most of these, if you go back into the archive, kids, is uh, just a pure horror show. Um, but uh, after I left WWE and, and working as an attorney, I was a lawyer for the Florida Panthers and decided I wanted to combine uh, my love of pro wrestling with my mild tolerance of professional hockey. And we did a pro wrestling night. And they gave me carte blanche to do whatever I wanted. And I brought in three different wrestlers from, from three different eras who were going to be there for, for an autograph session, meet and greet, and we were going to do a big thing in the game. Uh, and I brought in Tommy Dreamer, Ricky Steamboat, and Christian as probably the only three guys I could trust to put in a professional environment and not get me fired. Uh, Tommy Dreamer? Was, oh, Dreamer. <laughs> Dreamer is the is the absolute best. He is a an, a fucking prince. Um, he's a a super professional no, I'm guy. Just talking about like not to get fired because he's always talking about like strippers on those ECW stories and stuff. Well, because that was the ECW era. What else are you going to talk about when you're there? Their charity work. Um, so <laughs> it was it was nice because I was able to to bring them in and and, and watch them in action. Um, and it was an example of when you're working within the WWE, you, everyone's kind of politely just super fucking miserable. Uh, the wrestlers and everybody else, you're walking on eggshells. Everybody's really clammed up. And when you get them in an environment where they're actually respected and the people who are there are coming to see them and they're able to interact, these guys open up and they absolutely killed it. And it was a really nice memory to, to think back on. Um, watching them do the, the meet and greet with, with wrestling fans where you have that, that wrestling fan smell, uh, was was amazing because Steamboat doesn't realize that he's Ricky Steamboat. Uh, he's just amazed that anybody knows who he is at all. And everyone that came up, he'd sit and talk to every single person for three, five, ten minutes, hear whatever story they had, take a picture with the uh, with them, have a whole conversation. And Let me I was just interject for a sec yeah. here. He also did work with Vince McMahon, who thought he was a literal dragon. <laughs> <laughs> 
he was probably just like happy when people treated him like a human being and not a fire breathing dragon (laughs) he says dragon and he's like oh i'm sorry that's your word (laughs) (laughs) but uh it was and it was nice because we're we're, ricky and i were were walking with a couple of my colleagues and he was talking about how we're it was like oh uh, detroit you know i uh, i wrestled randy savage in detroit once and it was the most nonchalant way to bring up WrestleMania three that I've ever heard somebody <laughs> like trying to humble brag. And then Christian, we got we did a deal where he he appeared on NHL Network as part of the pregame thing. And I was working with with Robert Flores and Flores like, is he going to be like, OK, like, is he just going to come on and say hi? I'm like, whatever he does. He broke down all of the games that were going on that night with such expertise that the other commentators that were for the NHL Network had no idea who he was, and they thought that he was the analyst for the Panthers. And they're like, this guy is fucking amazing. Wait, I'm uh, sorry, this was Christian? Or this, this was Christian. Was... Yeah. Yeah, no, Steamboat had never seen a hockey game before, and, and Tommy was just happy to be out of the house for a day. Um, yeah, that's Christian, such a Christian that's just thing. how Canadian he is. <laughs> yeah, it's such a Christian thing to be good at talking about something that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> That's like the most Christian thing ever. I didn't say he talked about his career. Like, I said he was talking about hockey. <laughs> but uh, it, like, was, it was this was great. But why does he keep talking about his peeps? <laughs> oh, I forgot about the peep thing. I never really got the peep thing. <laughs> it was it was it was that time where everybody had to try to get over words. So yeah. if you could brand something and and it was your thing, it was like, all right, you're the peeps. Like, remember when tests fans were the testicles? Yeah, this, I remember that. And if that and the thing is, it's stupid where Kane had the Canaanites. Like, this is their thing. If you can brand who your I, audience I, I is. I say this is I have a I have a, I have a box full of shitty St. Germaniac shirts. Mike, what's the saddest thing you've seen at a legend signing? Uh, well, first off, I'm the fact that there was fans. Uh, <laughs> the, the shittiest thing I've seen at a legend signing, I mean, it's got to be uh, us. It has to be me and you at Starcast. Yeah, it was pretty dude, bad. You, have we told this story? I, Robert, let, let Robert finish his story first, and we'll tell. No, him. no, my, mine was mine was feel good, which felt odd and uncomfortable for yeah, me. Trying to tell yeah, a positive story for well, once. Well, well, let me just actually like. So when these guys, when a steamboat comes to the arena, what is he doing? He's just interacting. Sorry, Mike, you cut out there for a moment. Oh, sorry. I was saying when steam when steamboat do like uh you know a hockey arena, what is he? What's what's he physically doing the whole time? Is he does he like get like own? So what we did with the guys was um, you bought, they, we sold like a special pack. It's all about fucking money. So we sold a special package where you could do the meet and greet beforehand, get the picture with them and the autograph. And then we acknowledged them on camera during the game and, and they waved at the audience and the, and the crowd loved it. And then the, the, the fun postscript to this is a lot of the players were huge wrestling fans. And they were like, I, I really want to meet Steamboat. I want to meet the guys. Let's bring them down after the game. So I bring them down to the locker room area and we're waiting, but the team lost. So the coach comes out and says to these three grown adult wrestlers, uh, yeah, the, the players aren't allowed to meet you because they lost and I'm sending them home. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just looked at them and they're like, 
All right. So, like, the four of us, so I just sadly walk away with the three wrestlers because the players were, the professional NHL players were punished. You're not allowed to meet the wrestlers because you guys lost. And then Tommy Dreamer's like, well, where am I supposed to stay tonight? <laughs> <laughs> what if, what if we, them, what if we let them still meet Tommy Dreamer? <laughs> he was just scared straight. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> You guys don't get your act together on the ice. This is your future. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, come out and tell the story of how you were going to get the company from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're Man, back. So hold on. I want to hear the story about you, you know guys. Bad. If- you know it's bad if, like, Tommy Dreamer, <laughs> Tommy Dr- even if Tommy Dreamer killed Paul Heyman in the middle of a Flyers game, nobody would watch it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So what happened just be with like, you guys who's at a that record? guy? Who's that guy covered in blood going family? family. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Robert? I want to hear the story of you guys at a uh, at a convention. Well, we were at Starcast. Oh, yeah, so I was this... just trying to sell my uh, albums, and I don't know. I ended up giving yeah, up. Yeah, way, so we way go. A bunch of we go to. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, keep going. So we go to StarCast at Vegas. Uh, this was the one that, that Flair ended up not showing up at. And um, so we did like a comedy show like the night before. And, you know, no one's no no one's really there for comedy. I mean, people were really nice and friendly and stuff. But like the next day, we're, we're sitting at the... We have like a little booth in um, like uh, the merch row or whatever it's called. And uh, it's mainly Dan and Scott because they're mostly selling like their posters. I had a couple like posters and albums and people would just walk by. We were we were next to this um, merch table that was all like New Japan shirts. (laughs) How many did Scott come on? (laughs) I'll just say that they started off black and they were all white by the end. (laughs) Hogan's perfect um, dream. <laughs> and so, you know, like people would just like walk up to us and be like, Yeah, I'll get an Aja Kong. <laughs> like thinking that we were <laughs> like, no, we're not selling the shirts. And, and then and Dan then I, uh, I remember I got um I got I think I got um uh I think I got like Oscar's autograph because I felt bad. I like paid <laughs> But Dan <laughs> nobody was an Oscar, so I go to buy Oscars and I but I was autographed. I was like, ah, I felt bad. And then Bruce Pritchard was with me. And he goes, why? And I'm like, I don't know. I felt bad. He goes, ah, fuck him. <laughs> Pritchard just walked away. Like he, like, he did the most Pritchardy, like, 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 like snake oily salesman thing. And then just like danced away like a Huck Finn character. <laughs> no, wait. Did you recognize Oscar? Or was there like a giant poster behind? He's like, how would you? Are you sure it was Oscar? Could have just been like the janitor was. Walking yes, there by. was a giant poster behind him, Robert. Of course, that's how I knew. Also, yeah. also, there's a 50 50 chance the janitor is Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing two jobs at the same time. <laughs> All wait, right. Now I'm Duke the Dumpster Josie's manager. No, but so, so what's really funny is Dan, like, He's trying to sell shirts. Then he's like, free t-shirts. I got free t-shirts. And he's like, next to, like, there were people buying $40, like, Reho shirts. And then looking at Dad and, like, not wanting his free (laughs) t-shirt. Dude, there is nothing sadder than seeing someone put on a free t-shirt, 
seeing that it fits them and then still taking it off and leaving it at a table. <laughs> they probably thought you were getting him to sign up for times. a credit card or something. <laughs> and then and then what was really funny was there was just a moment where like the room kind of got quiet and Greg the hammer Valentine and Brutus the Leaf King just just like strolled in like No, no, that was in the beginning. No, no. I, let me let me this is before like the before they let people in, it was like 10 a.m. I think it started at 10 a.m. Like me and Mike were sitting there, and I don't know if you've seen the beginning of the Lion King when the <laughs> animals like gather around Mustafa, but that's what happened. Like, like rhythm and blues came in with rolly suitcases, looking like they were like like crossing the Sahara. Oh man, oh, man. I'm I really wrestling. sad here because I know uh at least for new listenership, Rhythm and Blues is Honky Tonk Man and Greg oh, Amber Valentine. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah, the first yeah, time we're gonna get We're gonna get letters. My bad. I'm sorry, guys. I forgot. I mistook Brother Brutai. Oh, yeah. and while we're at it, because you said it before, and I don't want to get you know death threats. Sunday Night Heat was the Raw supplemental show, and you said it was for SmackDown, which was clearly Velocity. Get your shit <laughs> oh, together, right. Dan. I'm sorry. Well, as you guys can tell, uh, I am married and have a life outside of this. Um, let's get to number seven. Guys, every podcast debates whether or not NXT or AEW, which 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 promotion had the show of the week. Well, this segment is going to be NXT or AEW or a rerun of Demolition Man in case both sucked and in honor of Black History Month. I'm just going to switch up whatever movie it is every week, guys. Um, let's break it down. I don't think it was really much of a contest this week, but um, we open. Let's, let's start with AEW. Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. I'm, I'm going to pull up my notes for this match in particular because my, my note about this match was um, it it was uh, it basically was wow. This is a really really solid match with really good psychology. And I'm really disappointed because I wanted a garbage match. That was my whole feeling the entire time I watched it. I had heard all these stories about the MLW matches being gruesome. And oh, don't get me wrong. I'm glad those guys didn't hurt themselves. And, and it really speaks to how good of, I mean, Darby's a phenomenal worker. Here's my unpopular opinion. I think Darby's a better worker than a character just because, you know, that whole emo thing doesn't really do anything for me, but you know, he, he makes everybody looks great. He sells great. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of wanted him to like throw each other, you know, through chicken wire or some bullshit. What did you think of this, Mike? That you know, I just I wouldn't open with Janelle. <laughs> I just the 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 theme of this week's uh, episode of AEW was let's take the word professional out of professional wrestling. You know, and when you look right. at individual matches or moments, like it's okay, but when you look at it as a whole, yeah, they gotta not hire everybody. <laughs> um, like yeah, also, they, got, they, got a, they got a lot of Frank Stallones in that production <laughs> promotion. Yeah. You know, like I mean, the, the difference between WWE and, and AEW is in 2001. I'm sorry, in 2021, WWE will remind you that Carlito and Christian are still around. AEW will let you know that Matt Seidel has a brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the the AEW guarantee. Yes, Matt Seidel has a brother. Dolph Ziggler has a brother. Cody has a brother. 
this is the the nepotism network. Um, <laughs> what what struck me the most because it was a comment Mike had made before was when Joey Janela came out. They said he was two and zero in 2021, and I don't remember the last time I saw Joey Janela wrestle. So I'm sure those were two high quality wins to try to justify him getting the title match because the AEW faithful online lost their collective shit that Joey Janela was getting a shot at Darby Allen, implying there's any sort of actual standards in professional wrestling. So they gave him two untelevised wins over Peter Avalon? Like, how did that... I, I, I guess. I mean, I wrote it was a perfectly good match. The coffin drop sucks as a finishing move. Dude, uh, I always think that guy's going to fucking my brain himself. It didn't look good. And then the big, the thing I was most confused about was Sting last week cut a promo about how he's going to be there to back up Darby against Joey Janela in case there's any trouble. I'm guessing he saw Joey in the back. It's like, this isn't fucking worth it. You know what I, you know what I thought was going to happen was that, because it felt like like the recital that goes on and the dad's not there yet. I thought like, like, like Darby was going to win the match and you were going to see Sting just stand up and do the slow clap. Because it's like, yeah, he promised he was going to be there. My and guess then, is the snow machine broke. It's 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 so weird the way that like they do like baby face and peril and cliffhangers and stuff. Like last week, you know, uh, Marco Stunt was just like kidnapped in like a shed with like Tully and FTR, and they're like, oh, he's okay now. How? <laughs> <laughs> Also, we shit on them for for their agents not talking to each other about spots. But last week, Marco Stunt was kidnapped. This week, Darby was kidnapped. Like, how do you guys not realize you're running the same angle two weeks in a row? They should do like a fucking like a room reboot, but with Marco Stunt, you know, (laughs) as long as that room has no cameras, I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy because it's like. And what they did with, I know jumping ahead a little bit, but what Sting was like, Sting has an interview with Tony, which he's had an interview with Tony every week for 12 weeks. And then Team Taz just interrupts it. Like, is there something that he's been trying? Like, what if he's been trying to tell us that he has like cancer or something? But (laughs) Team Taz just keeps getting away. Because he's never done his interview. <laughs> well, next up we have Cody and Lee Johnson versus Peter Avalon and Caesar Bonani. We've talked about this a while. I want to add in in Lee Johnson's defense, I think Lee Johnson could be really good at some point. I just don't understand why you have like th- three out of four guys we don't know if we're trying to get over one of them. You know that that's basically my point. Yeah, I mean. Um, the only thing that was missing from this match was the ghost of Roland Alexander uh, <laughs> coughing on a pile of money. <laughs> oh, see, we, we skipped the two things that I thought were the dumbest part of AEW this week back to back, which was Moxley's promo where he's talking about how Kenta has a briefcase. And again, this goes back to the whole if I've never watched New Japan, am I thinking that Kenta has the Money in the Bank briefcase, in which case they're ripping off WWE, and now all of a sudden John Moxley has a title, which we've never seen on television before. But he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm the IWGP whatever you know champion. And yeah, that's a good point because not many people know the like the suitcase history in New Japan, I guess. No, and then there's the inner circle bit with with Sammy and MJF, which had probably if we had the unpopular opinion, it was going to be I love everything MJF does, and this is the worst thing they ever had him do, which was him 
recording Sammy saying, I hate Chris Jericho. And then Sammy going, are you recording me? Even though this is a live television show and there's a camera crew and it's being broadcast around the world. That annoys the fuck out of me when yeah, you're trying to pretend Meltzer that this isn't dumb. get behind that. You know, I, it, it was uh, it, it was that that was that was baffling to me. Uh, yeah, let's just dive into the Sammy out of the inner circle. First off, I thought everybody in this did their role really well. Like I thought Jericho was good. I thought Sammy was good. I thought MJF was good. I just don't. I don't know. I just thought how they did it was kind of confusing a little convoluted it wasn't it wasn't bad i just i guess i wanted well i understand you don't need to have every breakup you know be you know the you know through the barber shop or or you know the the evolution breakup or the or the shield breakup you, you don't have to do it that way but I, I think it could be a little more dramatic than than that uh, what, what do you think mike i think the bigger issue is that sammy has felt directionless since like the hardy stuff and so like because I, I disagree i do think he's had i do like what he's been doing with mjf i just don't love the execution but keep going well just in the sense that like his character was more fully defined like he was like the bad boy like young upstart of the inner circle i missed the signs i thought the signs were a brilliant thing you know the best use of picture and picture that they had i thought you know yeah his feud with Darby last year he was just one of the hottest like most interesting characters and the shit heel like the goofy funny heel where he'd come out and sing Judas off key and all of that and he just kind of lost and I don't think it's through any fault of his own but a lot of his luster in the Hardy thing and I don't feel like he ever got it back completely and the last few weeks has just been a Sammy Hagar pun like it, but it doesn't feel like the true shit heel character of Sammy that I love is the Sammy. It's also that, just so Jericho gets to keep calling Sammy Hagar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, Cody and, gets his fr- his wrestling friends jobs. Jericho's getting the sad rockers who have nothing else to do. <laughs> hey man. Dude, and, I will say this about Jericho, man. He's so fucking good. Like, even in that, like, the way he handled Sammy's breakup, I thought was great. I was like, oh, that was, yeah. like, really subtle and, and really different. That's it not was touching. I it just, I just he wanted like, the feelings are hurt. we're used to leaving. And it didn't feel like we got that Sammy. Because that Sammy is, like, was their MJF. But he hasn't felt like it since MJF. And I know that's part of the story, but... He just feels like he's been completely lost in the shuffle on television as a character. It should have come down. It should have gone the other way. Instead of Sammy quitting, it should have been a, it's Max or me. Everyone needs to vote and they needed to vote Sammy out. And that should have been the heartbreaking moment that, that tells the better story that he's been with them since day one. He's been their little brother and Max has weaved his way into every one of these guys where now Santana and Ortiz like him. Hager tolerates him. Obviously, Wardlow's with him. Jericho loves him. And it should have been one of those where it's, all right, it's him or me. We all vote now. And everybody votes against Sammy. And then Sammy's left out in the cold. That's yeah, a better story need, than this. I think that's a way better fix than, you know, the typical breakup. And you get all the emotional stuff there without the you know, without the, the, the same, you know, paint by numbers 
three beats. Uh, Pac went against Ryan Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler's brother. I just don't understand. I mean, is he is and so is Nemeth? Is he on the roster now? I just they it just seems like they uh, <laughs> sometimes I'd be like. Uh, you know, if I was like, uh, all right, Chuck Taylor, I'd be like, hey, can I have that match? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, I, I don't know. It, it just it seems to me like, why are they? I under, I look, I understand that, like, having Kent in your main event is very cool. You're having somebody from another promotion come in and um, and, and, and work your territory. And that's a throwback to the old days. And I, I'm not against that. I think that's a cult, totally cool and valid new way of approaching wrestling. But that only works with guys like Kenta. Like, we don't need to do it with everybody. Like, the top of the territory guys should be the ones, you know, to leave. It was Andre that was moving around, right? I don't know. What do you think of this match, Robert? Uh, the only thing I kept thinking of the entire time was if I was tweeting this because Penta's not there because of immigration issues, but they said he's injured, that uh, they should have said Penta's been put on ice. Uh, other than oh, that, Jesus this Christ. entire match was That's just... a blue collar comedy tour joke. If ever I did hear one, <laughs> here's your sign. Um, <laughs> it's all, it's for whatever reason. It's what popped into my head during this fucking brutal match, just because I feel like the only reason they're doing this is they're trying to like court Ziggler and be like, Hey, when your contract's up, look, we gave your brother a job. Now you kind of owe us come here when you're, when your deal is done. <laughs> like, it's like you're befriending the hot girl's fat friend to show how nice you are to get a shot at the hot girl. And it feels I feel like-, like if they knew actually knew Dolph Ziggler, like they would be better if they just gave him like the, the entire series of Mr. Show, like, you know, like he would be more into that than he would be. Yes. Uh, we'll you get know. you on the misery index. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah. He would he's much more into that than he would be doing anything in professional wrestling. I mean, it shows how directionless, Pac is and the fact that this this death triangle that's been a stable for eight months has only been on TV maybe four times ever before you know COVID or injuries it, it's a nothing but start and stop I thought they had a lot of nice momentum with Phoenix on his own I don't need to see this as a stable anymore they can go their separate ways also they kept bringing up the forbidden door which I thought was another name for Nia Jax's hole hey oh first of Nia Jax hole jokes guys Get ready for them. They're coming. There's a whole I bunch. Hate, I hate myself. Uh, the Acclaim versus MJF and Chris Jericho. I, I don't know if we really need to get into the match. Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. I thought this was very good. I think Layla Hirsch, I mean, she's there's a few things that are still a little sloppy, but I you know, I like the whole shooter character, and I think Thunder Rosa is very good. And Thunder Rosa is one of the people that, my wife was like, oh, who's that? Like, there's a few people that, like, casual fans, I think, immediately flock to, and Thunder Rosa is one of them. What do you think of this match, Mike? You know, when they put the women's match at 9.15 and not 9.25, you know, they're taking it seriously. <laughs> it might go eight minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's interesting because this was one of the better women's matches, but it's still this division. Like, yeah, like I said, it's on almost every week at the same time. And now they're doing this tournament where half the tournament is in Japan and on YouTube. Like now you're making me work even more. So like, I got to watch one YouTube show to know what these people are doing. Now I got to watch another YouTube show. Then I have to watch impact wrestling to know what's happening with the good brothers. And then I have to watch fucking New Japan and know what's happening with Kenta. This is, this is that's the worst Billy Joel cover I ever heard my entire life. It's just, it's just asking too much. I mean, 
why can't we see these Japanese women's matches on Dynamite? Like, you could even air them, you know, from Japan. I just don't get what the fuck the point is of, like, it's half a tournament that you're already saying is less than the other half. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 what do you think is match, Robert? It was it was a good AEW women's match, which is pretty insulting. Otherwise, um, it sucks because you watch NXT and the women on there are leaps and bounds better, and they're treated more with more respect and more seriously. Whereas this was, you know, thank God it didn't suck, and that's all I kept thinking during this. I'm like, this is okay, but I, it's like watch. It was like watching Ivory versus Jacqueline. Like I don't really care. Right. I could fast forward through this if if uh if possible. Um Yeah, when do I, I get to see Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley? It's... Exactly. It's 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 a killer and I think that their their women's division is not growing in any way shape or form. I mean, Mike, I think the the reason why they have to put this on uh YouTube is because the the Japanese wrestlers are in Japan, they can't leave. So these are just pre-recorded matches that they're going to be sticking on YouTube or they're airing them live at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning so it's convenient for kenny to jerk off to or whatever the hell the reason is they're booking this um oh and and before this just just for as a legal note because I, I really like to bring out the lawyer card but uh if you get somebody drunk and put a contract in front of them and videotape them visibly inebriated and look into the camera and say shh I know he's super fucking drunk but i'm gonna make him sign this anyway it's not a binding contract Oh, man, but it is how Matt Seidel was able to get his brother on AW next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, my favorite thing about the whole show was the uh, the golf segment with Kenny and Callis, <laughs> and I thought, um, what's his face is uh, Michael Nagazawa. Nag- now Michael Nagazawa's caddy is 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 a stroke <laughs> of genius, man. Dude, stroke Kenny of genius. Knows- <laughs> Kenny knows his character better than almost anybody. Like whether you like, and, 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 and I just, I love, I love all the jazz hand stuff just because, you know, you know, what would be my ideal, my ideal, like Kenny Omega viewing experience would be, I think Kenny is like one of the best wrestlers on the planet, but if I could watch Kenny Omega wrestle and we had a picture in picture, but it was Cornette's reaction to everything. That would be so that would be just fucking high comedy. I would love that shit. Uh, the match itself. I thought there were some awesome spots in it. I, I thought as a whole, I didn't like, I didn't love the, love the match as a whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, like there, there was some really impressive stuff. Like Kenta almost, I mean, killed Moxley when he, when he did that, uh, or he looked like he almost killed him when he did that. When he did the when he did the stomp on his chest or the cooter or whatever they whatever he calls it. Uh, what did you think of this match, Robert? It, it was it was perfectly fine. Um, it was the best thing on this show, which is a pretty low bar to clear. But I don't understand as a casual fan why Kenta and Kenny Omega don't like each other. That was kind of hard. Like you, there was no right. no reasoning to that. Like they were clearly at odds. AEW did nothing to really tell that story. I was shocked that Peter Avalon was on again on this show because we didn't get enough Peter Avalon before that he gets the GTS spot. Um, this entire match was put together just so they could do the he potatoed him joke. 
Like it's like they they started from that and then built the entire match around it. Um, I appreciated it. Was, it. I it did. Was, it was, it was stupid, as soon as I, I saw the box of potatoes. I'm like, oh, they're gonna do a he potatoed him bit. Um, the mid match replay was kind of strange. Like they cut a video package in the middle of the match to show you highlights of the match, which was which was odd. And then if the Good Brothers were gonna do this all along, and this is again trying to make sense of kayfabe. They should have just come out at the beginning and it should have just been four on two and they just beat everybody up rather than Kenny and Kenta maybe not get along and risk Omega getting hurt or, or worse within the confines of kayfabe. Can we talk about Jake Roberts in this match? There's there's about a third of the match. Like There's a point where you just see Jake's body from his neck down. You see his weird fucking like pantyhose egg body and then a like strike like a scarecrow it, it, it generally does look like if a snake swallowed a mouse <laughs> and then like he gives this he gives this lariat which I mean just looks like it's from a Popeye cartoon it was like one of the funniest lariats I've ever seen in my entire life uh yeah that whole that whole match I was like is 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 fucking uh what's going on with Jake right now? He's the cameraman. Like you could see all like the different Arby's and horsey sauces that were on his jeans. <laughs> it was real, real, real unsettling. Like, all right, let's get to NXT. Um, you get to talk about the match. Oh, this man. Oh, I, oh, I didn't know you guys had more to say about it. Uh, no, I, did, I, I never said anything. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. It was totally weird to me because it, it it was it felt like a comedy match. Yeah. Like it was supposed to be like a blood feud. Like you said with the potato spot and stuff like that. I'm like there were moments, like there was a moment that I really appreciated at the end, which was they cut to um when when Omega I, I did love that they gave uh Archer the booster that he couldn't do the one I I actually that was yeah, gonna I, be my, I like that a lot. Original um uh, mark out moment when they had to lift Archer onto Kenny's shoulders but I, I did like when Kenny pinned him and um, Kenta and Moxley were still fighting even though the bell had rung I thought that was kind of cool but it yeah. just it had yeah it had a silliness to it and also how do you fucking have someone get hit with potatoes and then don't follow it up with someone getting hit with a box of receipts it's like come on <laughs> that's, that's true it's right fucking there that's true. guys Michael Lawrence is open for business <laughs> He's the Gallagher of pro wrestling. There's the not fake props. Mike, uh, yeah, Mike was uh, was the uh, the unseen hand in Otto and George. Nobody knows this. <laughs> he was the silent partner. All right, let's get to uh, NXT results. NXT, uh, I thought had a very good show tonight. Uh, let's get into it. For like. Was, first off, I just want to be like, I'm kind of shocked because I was like, listen to the Observer and like Meltzer and, and Alvarez were like trashing the women's tag match on NXT. And I was like, what? It was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't the best match of the night, but I mean, there were a lot of really cool double team moves. And, and I, and I, Three out of three out of four of those girls could be your AEW women's champion. Yeah, but you know? Dan, none of them do moves named after Meltzer. That's so true. this You're is right. not as good. And uh, <laughs> you haven't gotten that Tony Khan money coming your way. Uh, the dreaded too long of a stare. Can we um, you also point out like that? I forgot to mention this, the silliness of 
the nickname legit Layla Hirsch? Isn't it all supposed to be legit? <laughs> no, but she's really real. No, she's really that short. Um, there's yeah, there's a stumpiness to that gal. Um, she could absolutely murder me, and I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, fine she would. I, are you kidding me? She I think she's got. A, I think she's got a bright future. I just think the nickname is terrible. Wait, wait what's her nickname? It's Layla. Legit. Hirsch. It's legit Layla Hirsch because she has. Well, like I, a, I like it, but she's like a shooter. Yeah, but they're all shooters, like supposed to be. You're basically just saying everything is fake. Not, this thing. not fucking Alexa Bliss. She uses magic. She doesn't use shooting. That's true. <laughs> Men's Dusty Classic. MSK versus Legato Del Fantasma. I thought this was a really good match. Dude, the, the one fucking dude from... Um, is it... Uh, are the Black Eyes Wesley or is he Nash Carter? He's Wesley. Wesley's the black guy. What Wesley fucking like he gave a senton where he got hang time on the dude i've never seen it was like the prettiest senton i've ever seen in my life i love msk and i thought legato del fantasma did a really great job putting him over what did you guys think of this match polite silence um i guess i'll go i love this is again why i love the dusty classic you're not bogged down with storyline. You're you're just letting talented teams go out there and wrestle. And it was the best I thought Legato del Fantasma ever looked on TV. And it just shows how badly like Impact dropped the ball on uh, MSK and Zima Ion. That you know you have all these guys and they were just completely directionless and they were wildly talented. And MSK since debuting. Uh, feels they feel fresh they feel exciting you want to see these guys compete and I can't remember the last time you've had that kind of a feeling for a, a wrestler on NXT so I think there's a lot of interesting potential there with them and they're treating them like a big deal I mean like when you have this in the Dusty Classic and then you have Lee Johnson and Peter Avalon in the Dusty Current uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's pretty good <laughs> All right, Zion Lee with Boa and Tiancha. I know I'm butchering these names versus Cora Drid. Look, I don't know how this ends, but I'm just, look, I'm just going to leave this on the table, WWE Creative. If you use it, I'm not going to call you out for stealing it. If somehow Pritchard was revealed to be the old Asian woman at the end of the storyline, I will never watch another episode of Dynamite in my life. I will Ooh, never... If- I what if her name give is money to Tony Khan again? If that's the end of the storyline, dude. What if her name is Mother Love? <laughs> <laughs> How great would that be? If like he took the the like the ring, you know, whatever the the fucking wig off, and it was Bruce. Just immediately, everyone just gets fired. Oh God. Uh, oh, let's keep going, guys. Does anyone have anything to add with this match? The Every I, match in WWE has to be a little spooky now. That's the whole I, thing. I, I, as much as I hate to admit it, Dan, you you were right. This stupid angle is kind of winning me over because <laughs> Zia Lee, because Zia Lee now looks like a killer and she's a legitimate something. But I mean, they're, and they're essentially just redoing the Alexa Bliss story. Only Nikki Cross is Casey and Caden, and they're like, "Hey, where are your friends? What the fuck is going on here?" And then she just beats the shit out of them. It was kind of yeah. it was kind of nice. You know, we should have this segment. We should have a segment on this show called The Wives where we just talk about like what our wives is like initial disgusted reactions to this to the wrestling product is. But my my wife is she was like I really enjoyed Alexa Bliss. She really liked her. 
And she gets out of the room now when Alexa Bliss is in the little girl character. It makes her so uncomfortable. Women hate the the Raggedy Ann Alexa Bliss character. It's so creepy. All right, next up. Uh, well, Shotzi Blackheart like and Ember Moon <laughs> versus The Way. Uh, yeah, people complain about this match. I thought, I thought it was very good. I know, I thought it was a good match. Um, and I hope Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, uh, Gonzalez win uh, the Dusty Classic. We have uh, Austin Theory versus Kushida. What did you guys think of this match, Mike? It was fun. You know, I, I the uh, whole, like, Kushida, like, sneaking up behind them and all that, that... I love it because he's short. He was shorter than everybody in that segment. <laughs> so it's like, Dude, my, my note for this segment was, I loved. I what I, I think my favorite moment of wrestling this week. This could be my mark out moment. Was Johnny Gargano uh, telling Austin Theory to move the wheelchair like every two seconds? I thought yes. that was. I thought that was like legitimately really, really funny. And then Theory is really good in the ring and has a real a match with Kushida, who's even a better worker in the ring. He's been doing it longer. But then they fuck up the whole thing by having Dexter Loomis ruin the match. It's like it was like I was watching this awesome movie. It's, you know, I don't know, man. It just it just felt like, you know, it just felt like you guys sabotaged my movie. Why is this guy, you know, this and, and I don't understand the whole Dexter. What money are you going to get out of this character? And, and I know in the back I've liked Dexter Loomis, but a serial killer baby face who doesn't talk. How does this make money? Didn't work for Benoit. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right. We're not going to get any better than that. <laughs> Next up, Cameron Grimes. We talk about uh, how great that was already. The, and our final men's dusty classic, Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa versus the grizzled young veterans. I thought this was a very solid match. I would have been fine with either of these teams going over. Um, but, you know, it's nice to see the finals be between two tag teams what, what do you guys think of this match mike i think um they didn't they didn't they got the kick out on the doomsday device right yeah i don't think that move should ever be kicked out of. that's just me that's a fair point robert uh it bummed me out just because i am a huge fan of thatcher and champa as a team i would have liked to have seen this go forward i was surprised it ended clean because i feel like there was some momentum with thatcher and uh and champa going forward but uh, and I think those guys against MSK would have been fun where it's the it's the grizzled old guys uh, against, you know, the high flying team. But instead, it's two fresh, young, up and coming teams who will get the spotlight on the on the pay-per-view. So I guess that's uh, that's not bad. I also want to uh, bad thing. Yeah, I, that's I mean, they were getting complaints because, you know, for the past couple of years, you know, the storyline was, you know, the unlikely duo coming together and. You know, the Kane and Daniel Bryan of it all. And at least this year, they're like, no, these are two tag teams. and These are guys that like each other. I just I just have a question, which is, why do so many tag teams have to have the less charismatic-looking bald guy? Like, if, if both guys are yeah. bald, then it kind of works. But if one guy's bald, like, and there's just too many teams like this right now where it's like a guy who doesn't look like a star and he's just a bald dude. Why didn't you ask Lance that last week? <laughs> we talked about thrill seekers. <laughs> Kidding, Lance, I love Lance you. Please Storm don't kill me. Doing our show, guys. Yeah. Uh, Rat uh, tail is a haircut, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> Shout out, Lance, for doing our show. Lance was great. Last I do week. want to put over on NXT uh, the video package they did to build up the three women for the triple threat match were excellent. Uh, All their packages are great. Whoever, I don't know how those package guys aren't like used by everyone in show business. Like it's, it's by far the best thing. The highest art form that wrestling has ever achieved is whoever has done packages. I think they get us to watch something every week that we should have given up on 20 years ago. It's unbelievable. It is the fucking (laughs) killer snake oil salesman, killer snake oil salesman. Um, and then at the end of it, they had this like weird like face off that was like half pay-per-view boxing, half South by Southwest conference, you know, um, but it, it, I, all in all, even though I really do enjoy Demolition Man, I'm going to give uh, NXT the nod this week. I'm looking forward to Vengeance this Sunday. Maybe we'll talk about it next week, although it only seems like by the time we cover NXT again, it's like so dated. Um, what would you what would you give, Mike? Uh, AEW, NXT, or Demolition Man? Or rerun a Demolition Man? Not your first time watching Demolition Man. No, no, no. That I mean, that that that's an important film of my life. Um, I'm gonna go NXT on this one, and and I am a much bigger AEW fan, but they gotta look. I understand that you know unemployment is high, and and I appreciate their contributions to the job market, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> They gotta, and the thing is, I don't even think it's any specific. Like, it's the presentation of some of these, like, you know, wrestlers and people. It's like you can't just have them look like losers and jabronis every week, and then expect me to take them seriously when you tell me to. That's not how wrestling works. Um, NXT was a successful go home show. Do I think that uh, I will be spending Valentine's Day watching it? Uh, no, because <laughs> well, um, I remember Dan, you were like, Hey, let's do a, a Patreon <laughs> recap show. And it's like, we, we might be the only like wrestling podcast where it's four guys in relationships. <laughs> uh, no, that's I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the dusty classic, but no. I mean, we could be the one that was also four guys who've been in relationships. <laughs> like, <laughs> just one. <laughs> um, that true. also would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, it was a go-home show that, you know, sold the show. You know what the problem with NXT, I realized what it is. And I think, I don't know who said it. It was either you or Robert, but there's just never a feeling, even though I know I thought NXT was the way better show this week. There just isn't that feeling of like anything could happen. You know, yeah. and, 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 and to Dynamite's credit, Dynamite has that more so than any other program. I, I think I like SmackDown better as a wrestling show, but I think that, you know, the, that whole, whoa, what's going to happen? Like AEW is definitely better at SmackDown than that. Yeah. So I don't know. I would, I would be, I think like both of the, it's so funny because they both need what the other company does well so badly. Yeah. Cause it's like, NXT doesn't have the anything can happen in, but AW has at least one or two. Why is this happening? Every <laughs> week? <laughs> and Robert, I'm guessing you're going to go NXT. I, I don't like Sandra Bullock. So I'm not going to go demolition man. And even though NXT didn't have Peter Avalon, I guess I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do it. But I, I think that the, I'm reliving the Monday night wars arguments I used to have when I was younger with, with friends because they're all watching Nitro because Nitro was unpredictable but not very good whereas Raw was always solid 
but not particularly exciting. And if you go back now and watch them side by side, you realize that Nitro had maybe five to seven minutes of really something worthwhile to see, whereas the entirety of Raw was usually pretty solid. NXT was a really solid, logical, well-laid-out wrestling show, whereas Dynamite had Darby Allen dragged behind a car. But I will say, in Dynamite's defense, in AEW's defense, if I had to pick, I think like there's like maybe three programs right now in wrestling that are keeping my attention, and two of them are in AEW. So, you know, like I do think the Omega Moxley storyline has legs, and, and, and I like the FTR Jurassic Express, even though it has shades of deliverance for sure. <laughs> um, Zach, our producer... Uh, everyone, this is our producer Zach. Zach, really? Zach, who do you got? Even though it didn't have Edge, I'm gonna give it to NXT. <laughs> Did not have Edge. That's true. Nobody brought up uh, uh, not having Edge until Zach was here. Number number nine, show and hell. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, we skipped number eight. <laughs> well, how could I skip this? Does Nia Jack screaming my hole completely redeem everything terrible she's done, Mike? Let's start with you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I did. I I mean, this was amazing. This was you. You sent. I, I just want to say a little behind the scenes. Dan often um, sends the ten count uh, clearly when he's not able to sleep, um, and <laughs> while he's on the toilet, and, and uh, you could actually see the sweat stains in an email, which is which is amazing, <laughs> and. And this was not this was not on there in, in any iteration. And I was like, this is why our show exists. This yeah. right here. I mean, I, I don't listen to Meltzer and Alvarez much. Alvarez tried having a human conversation with Meltzer about why this is funny and Meltzer is unable to. Um, so then there's like a second clip of just Alvarez on his own show, just getting to explain it. This was, dude, this was wonderful. I mean, this, this is, this is why I watch wrestling. I don't know about you guys. Like because, to her credit too. She did. She took it pretty good on, on Twitter. I mean, yeah, you know? let's be honest. When they say anything can happen in the WWE, this is what they're talking about. Uh, I just, I love it that she said my whole, so like, do you think it's like, her her butthole and pussy connect or something like it's just one gigantic hole and it like well, at the it was, bottom it of was, the skeleton of Bruiser see, Brody and that's why this doesn't redeem me for her because now it had me thinking about Nia Jax's hole. <laughs> it's like I like the old days when all I thought was she was a reckless fucking human being and now it's like no now I have to think about that. Um, which was great because a bidet company reached out to her and offered her a sponsorship. This is real. Is that true? I, Yes, because I, I tweeted about it, and then they replied to my tweet trying to get me to buy a T-shirt that said, ask me about my butthole. Um, so <laughs> this is the gift that keeps on giving, and my hope is that they remake the Triple H My Sacrifice video, but it's my whole. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we're going to – look, here's the thing. There is at least one four-star match every fucking week now. They're not special anymore. Lots of people can work. Athletics – you know, they're in the gym. You only get a few moments like this a fucking year. That's true. 
And and uh, I want to say, you think, here's the million dollar question: Do they cash in on this? Do you think this is the last we hear of my hole? Well, what I was going to say was, I'm upset that they they cut it from the replays. Apparently, no, embrace this. This is this is fucking natural charisma. No, you you have her and Shayna Baszler rebranded as the whole package. And they are, <laughs> they, you just, you own it and you sell. I mean, if they could, if they sell shirts for every other stupid thing they come up with, I mean, this went viral and they may as well embrace it. I think the, the problem is it's, it's the whole thing of like, I remember years ago when Trump was on SNL and they were worried like, oh no, this is going to humanize him. Like now this is going to soften Nia Jax and people are gonna be like, oh, she's kind of a beloved wacky character and not the person who's concussed half the roster. Do you think this is where Baron Corbin's ponytail went? <laughs> no, this is, I think this is where his promo skills are. <laughs> it's, Number nine. I mean, oh, I was going to say, uh, but, but what's fascinating too is that the apron is the hardest part of the ring, right? But now, and, and usually we are led to believe that the, the forehead is the hardest part of a Samoan. So I'm guessing that the hole is the weakest part of the Samoan and it was hit by the hardest part of the ring. (laughs) That's why based on wrestling physics, it hurts so much. I hate that. I want to argue that because I want to point out that Rikishi used to do a stink face. And if, if he wouldn't use his ass, if that was a weak, like the fact that my brain even thought that makes me realize doing this podcast is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, man. I mean, (laughs) It's it's amazing how smart you guys are and how little you use those smarts. <laughs> um, let's get to number nine. Number nine, guys. Um, showing how we're gonna we pull something disastrous from the wrestling uh, internet, the 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 rest, the WWE vault. And in honor of vengeance, let's talk about the most infamous vengeance match of all time: Vince McMahon versus. Zach Gowan. Um, I watched it. Uh, this was peak Groves Vince. You know, like it was like he was just man. He was he. I just his his whole reason for healing out on Zach Gowan in this was so fun. He hated it. He hated Zach because Zach had the audacity to beat cancer. That's real life. That's in the promo package. Starting out. And we should like say that that other leg has gone on to be Marco Stunt. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, Marco Stunt just <laughs> gels himself to Zach Gowan's stuff. It's like the end of a Pixar movie. A Randy Newman song starts playing. <laughs> Zach Gowan's leg is now Marco Stunt. <laughs> Watch out, Toby's got some chloroform. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, What did you think of this match on on rewatch? I'm going to start with Mike because, Zach, I mean, mean, Robert's the one who's been in in the lion's den. And by that, I mean, wherever Vince McMahon, you know, blows his HGH. Uh, Mike, what did you think of this match rewatching? My, my first note was Zach Gowan totally would have gotten the Warrior Award if he never wrestled. <laughs> he, would, <laughs> he would be in the Hall of Fame. I, I remember this was when I kind of got back in. And I was watching my, my sister was 13 at the time. She was attracted to Zach Gowan. Um, he Thank was, God it was Zach and not Vince. <laughs> yeah. 
Dude, it's interesting because, yeah, he was PWI's uh, most inspirational wrestler of the year, 2003, and rookie of the year. Um, but, dude, it, it's he looks even younger than he is. He's only like 20 here, and he looks even younger than 20. It's just, dude, this is uncomfortable, man. Uh, fucking. The- you know how boring you have to be? To have one leg and me not stare at you? I mean, what's interesting is that one of the lines I think I think Cole says, you know, ever since he was born, it was his dream to get a SmackDown contract. <laughs> and then, like, you know, because most of this is Vince just beating him up, having the most fun of his life. And in Vince's mind, he thinks that that, that blade job that he does at the end is so, like, it's like I, I don't I don't know how to use this phrase. Like it's a non sequitur blade job. Like the injury does not look like what you know, he gets hit with the chair by the one leg and then he's just fucking gushing everywhere. Dude, and, and this is, you know, so, I literally watched this after uh, you know, the Kenta match where people are being thrown through shit and no one bleeds and one chair causes Vince to gush. I mean, and then and then I love that Vince wins because this is the first time someone won a match because the other person just missed their finisher. Zach just missed the moonsault. It was dude, that was such a fuck like an added fuck you for yeah. to the fans. Like yeah. Vince didn't even do a finisher. He was just like, no. see, your dreams kill you. That was the message of that match. And and in hindsight, like when you're watching this in the moment, you get it of like, he's the heel. This is the baby face. The fact that this kid ends up getting fired, like within the year, is never hired back, you know? And uh, I watched like shoot interviews with him last night. I went down a Zach Cowan rabbit hole. Like, look, he's got kids now. He seems to be doing good, but like, it feels like he could have gotten another chance and they just used him up and threw him away. And it's kind of like the real, what the real Vince did to him, like, is almost grosser to me than what the character did. Robert, what do you think of this match? We had talked about before that that Vince uses the WWE for like wish fulfillment where every woman wants to fuck him. I think his other dream is he just wanted to kick out the leg of a one-legged handicap guy. <laughs> and this was this was it. And he wore dark pants to hide the erection. Um, and knowing how Vince thinks, the reason why he had the blade was he's like, well, I'm the heel. I'm beating this kid up. I need to show that he made me suffer. And the way that Vince always does that is he blades and he overbleeds. Uh, he did that with the in the Shawn Michaels match. He does that all the time. Zach Gowan didn't really have a a, a, a a long trajectory to go. It was as cruel as it is to say it was a publicity stunt. Uh, they they wanted to bring him in, get the hey, there's a one legged guy, and come watch him wrestle. In the same way, it's watch someone wrestle a bear. And it was we're gonna have him get beat up by Brock Lesnar. We're gonna have him get smacked around by Big Show because that's funny. And then that's kind of it. And then the knock on him was that he, you know, he had an attitude because you took a 20 year old kid out of nowhere, made him a national media figure, put him against the top wrestlers in the company. And then you're like, now you need to be humble and pay your dues. It's not going to happen. And they don't really care that they sabotaged him and he was gone because there wasn't there wasn't a long term story that you could tell with Zach Gowan, because at the end of the day, in Vince's mind, it's anyone that he beats that guy just lost to someone with one leg and anyone that beats him, who cares? They beat a guy with one leg. 
So he wasn't going to have, you know, long, there was no longevity to his character. And it pains me not to say, you know, his character didn't have legs, but that was uh, that was the situation he was dealing with. I mean, well, you did say it, Robert. I, I, did I did mean, Kerry Von Eric, piece of shit. Kerry Von Eric did this gimmick and he did it better. Like, that, that, to me, the ultimate Zach Gowan thing, you could, I do think you could have a one-legged wrestler. It's just, and, and look, and, and, and Mike, can I just interrupt you? Yeah. Let's not, let's, let's also give a shout out to all the wrestling fans who watch wrestling with only one foot. Yeah. And, you know, like the, 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 the her heroism there, and it really needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, at least, at least two out of the four hosts of this podcast in the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> but I, the thing is, you wouldn't buy him with two legs. Like, that was what was weird about it. He just looked like the gangliest kid. Like, if he grew out his hair, he's Jungle Boy. But, but less defined still. Like you didn't he's have less muscles. defined, but he wouldn't have had a shot otherwise. Yeah. It was it was fine for a one-off feel-good moment, but it's the same way you like. I don't think people believe Bad Bunny has a long a long-term career in WWE. You couldn't put Zach Gowan on and then continue to make him special week after week after week when his defining characteristic was, you know, he's got one leg and we've seen everything he can do. I don't need to see it twice, three times, four times, and there's no long-term money in it. Did you compare him to a bunny because they both hop? Let's live in that silence, guys. <laughs> uh, number 10, get That's well, the- Terry Funk. Terry Funk uh, this past week was a little looking a little worse to wear on Twitter, but he's, uh, he's, he's probably top five, if not my favorite wrestler. Uh, he is professional wrestling to me more so than Ric Flair is. He's just that crazy guy you find in the desert who's going to kill you for a can of beans. And uh, that's Terry Funk for me. Any, anybody want to add anything about the, about the Funk master? All right. Well, no, let's say, uh, so from from what I, I was looking up, sorry, I was, I was trying to research to see if there was an update. Apparently he was just having really bad leg pain. I swear this is what they wrote. And he's like, Wait, what? That was that was what sparked the uh, get well, Terry Funk, that uh, he was he was experiencing pain. And that oh, was I thought the guy was dying. No, the, he's he, he, he's not. He's not retired and he's not dying. Um, I think Terry, God damn Funk, it, Terry, you're still working me. <laughs> look, if Terry Funk could, I kind of want him to pop up in the next Firefly Funhouse match. Because that would be infinitely oh better God. than anything they already have planned. Or have I, him like come out and meet like baby Alexa with a giant lolly, you know? And he's I like, just wearing... wanna, I just want to hear, hey, fiend. That's really all I want. <laughs> and then he can leave. Dude, he, um, he, have him back as Chainsaw Charlie. I, I love that he did a video because this, this I do feel for him. And this is what he will be recovering from when he asked people to stop sending him pictures to autograph. I mean, I can't imagine how insufferable those people are that are doing that. Like, especially if they got him to the point to have to like make a video to ask them to stop. All right. Here's my question then, Mike, like, okay. When are you going to get your autograph picture from Terry? (laughs) Somebody that would pay to go like, like get an autograph from Terry Funk. If Terry Funk sent out with that same person and said, Hey, I'm sick. I think I only got a couple months left. How long before that person would then try to start asking about wrestling? Like how much, how, how long of a, of a human moment would a Mark let Terry Funk have 
before he would just go into his bullshit. Ask him what it was like meeting Tony Khan. He'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, it'd probably be like, so is, is Dennis Stamp really that nice in real life? <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny, like Dennis is in heaven right now and he's like, you said you were going to be here, Terry. <laughs> no one's going to just watch me wrestle. <laughs> Hurry up! <laughs> oh, also, uh, R.I.P. Butch Reed. That. Uh, oh I, right. I, oh. I was watching some Doom matches. Doom is fucking awesome. Have you guys watched Doom matches any and recently? I did see that shoot. Do you remember that shoot interview where uh, it was during the Doom period? I think. Where like uh where like Teddy Long talks about like coming back to the motel and Mick Foley was hooking up with a girl, like and then like like Mick Foley like reached out to like high five Teddy Long. <laughs> the craziest stories. Dude, they they were dude, they're an amazing tag team. Cause they're just it's just yeah, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, like Butch Reed's like his legacy in WWE is kind of you know he's the first guy ever eliminated from a royal rumble uh and uh you know he's at wrestlemania three but then well i can't believe that didn't make their hogan black history month package (laughs) (laughs) and uh and 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 the first person ever eliminated by hogan in the survivor series oh really oh jesus yeah (laughs) and and uh randy savage defeats him in the first round of the (laughs) wrestlemania four tournament (laughs) But then, but then he rebounds with Ron Simmons and do doom. They're just two big fucking dudes who beat the shit out of people. Like I was watching some matches with them in the Steiners last night. Do that. It's the, yeah. First off, like I forgot, I always forget how Jack like early Scott was <laughs> early. Scott was a fucking oh, monster too, but watching these four dudes just beat the shit out of each other is, is beautiful stuff. I'm going to just uh, every time somebody tells me to watch a Scott Steiner match, I still just end up watching the math promo. <laughs> I uh, I, it's impossible for me to not watch that promo <laughs> over and over again. Well, folks, uh, if you want to become a member of our Patreon last week, uh, we talked about the Yokozuna documentary. This week, we're going to be talking about you can't kill David Arquette. And we're going to be talking about the match. Uh, David Arquette uh, won uh, the World Heavyweight Championship. at, And we're going to be talking to David Arquette about David Arquette. We're going to be asking him some questions about the documentary. That will be a Patreon that will be available free. Um, and next week, uh, Total F and Marks becomes Wrestle Roasts. We're going to kick things off by wrestling the great Shane McMahon. Here comes the money, folks. We're going to tear that guy a new hole, to quote Nia Jax. Uh, Mike, uh, would you like to promote anything? Um, this is my uh Instagram, Mike Lawrence Comedy, Mr. Carpolis. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. And uh, by next week's show, we'll have the new Twitter up, the new Facebook up, the website, all the uh, all the exciting stuff. But we will still have the total F and Mark shirt available for sale <laughs> on our wrestling tees. Yeah, uh, so we're you gonna can get always remember the remember the good times. <laughs> and uh obviously you know thoughts and prayers with scott and his family uh he ended up something sincere and people always think that's that's not right robert we were totally fine with that you wouldn't let yourself be sincere because i know i'm gonna I was, take it you was out on a sincere. rowboat and we're gonna fucking hug each other that's what's gonna happen 
It's going to wind up like Fredo. Thanks. It's, no, I was thinking more Sandusky, but I was thinking more uh, Tommy Boy, where Dan needs the wind of his father's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, my dad's ghost didn't show up. Anybody's ghost? Uh, um, Alexander's Zach. ghost. Zach, you got any, Zach, you got anything to promote? Wash your hands. All right, and uh, yeah, man, rate and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for uh for listening and for uh keep listening so see you then